going on everybody it's boy b date uh for a short podcast episode today um just basically talking on covering the two nine ten playing games that i saw um in the first one we're starting the eastern conference it was the charlotte hornets and the atlanta hawks and and one of the things that was just glaring to me watching the game was just kind of the lack of defensive intensity defensive fight from that charlotte team it's a good team. It's a talented team, but the 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 lack of kind of detail defensively, the lack of awareness defensively when playing such a good offensive team was a, a bit alarming for me. Um, in the first half, they did a good job. They were down six going into halftime. They did a good job on Trey. I think they had only allowed fifty eight points. They they were they're fine, and. For me, it was a bit discouraging to see that third quarter because if you look at their season last year, they're in the same scenario. They were the 10 seed in the play-in, and they got absolutely blitzed by the Indiana Pacers last year. So you would think this year, okay, we're going to come with the requisite fight, the requisite hunger. Even if we don't win, it's going to be a close game. We're going to build on last year, and we're going to make it a better game. We're going to you know, correct some of those mistakes and instead in that third quarter, they kind of let go of the rope, man. Like I mentioned, they did good on Trey in the first half. In the third quarter, he was able to get whatever he wanted, whether it was his floater game, rather that be his um, isolations against switches on the pick and roll and just getting to the basket, whether it was the lobs to Capella. Um, he was able to carve them up that quarter. Uh, DeAndre Hunter played very well. I've been in on him for a while now. And and the corner threes off the catch were good. The attacking closeouts and getting to mid-range jumpers was fine. Um, he was spraying out pa- passes uh, to other guys, to Bogdanovich and your Herders and your Gallinari's. He had a very good game. And, and for me, it's not that the Hornets lost. It's just a manner of they didn't really take anything away from Atlanta in that in that quarter specifically. And they kind of, kind of like I said, just let go of the rope, and and that was a bit discouraging to see. Now I I don't want to kill them for that. They they had a very good season. They were unlucky that this season was the season, you know, the East decided to be as deep as it was because forty three and thirty nine in the East normally is going to get you a better record than the ten seed. Um, and they'll learn. They're a young team. Um, they've got some good talent there. But I, I just would like to see a improvement defensively um, as a focus going forward for them because offensively they have the the requisite firepower just to score points, man. So as far as that, um, good season for Charlotte. And, and looking forward to the next game, you've got Atlanta matching up with Cleveland. Still don't know if Jared Allen's going to play. I, I, I'm not 100% certain, but what I do know is – that Atlanta, man, they look very good. They look very good last night, and I think they actually have a, a fighter's chance to do something with Miami. I'm not saying they could beat them. Um, they, you know, Granted, they beat Cleveland. I, I don't think Cleveland has the same sort of puncher's chance to give Miami a real run for their money, whereas I think, whereas I think that with the Hawks, Trey Young, being that top end talent that he is, like he would be the best player in a series with the Hawk, with the Heat, and, and and that's something Cleveland wouldn't have. 
And he's one of those players that's like you can trap him like the Hornets were doing um, last night. And he'll just kind of slowly figure out the answers to the test. Now, granted, the Heat have much better players defensively than the Hornets did. And they will come with a much better effort. But it's just that sort of variance the Hawks have where they can hit a bunch of threes or where Trey can go for 35 and 12. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot more top-end variance um, in a series like that as opposed to Cleveland. So if you're asking me the next game, I would like the Hawks to win that one as well. Maybe John Collins can come back into the series, and then all of a sudden, you don't just have your typical 1-8 matchup. You have a team who was in the conference finals last year who's been playing great basketball to end this season um, against a team who kind of – I don't want to say they limped into the the playoffs because they are the one seed, but they didn't finish the regular season as well as they started it, as well as they maintained throughout the year. So it'll be interesting for me to see, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that, that was my thoughts on that game. I thought it was a very high pace. I thought it was well played. The talent, both sides are very good. Um but, man, in the end, the Hawks just were able to bear down a little bit more defensively. And and, and they just have an array of guys who can make shots. And, and that's what stuck out to me the most. Now, as for the Western Conference games, um, you had the San Antonio Spurs going to New Orleans and playing the Pelicans. And the Pelicans were able to handle their business in that game. They were, that game just kind of boiled down to a couple things for me. Number one, how important home court advantage is. I think all four home teams um, won their, the play-in, the first play-in games. Uh, with Brooklyn, Minnesota, the Hawks, and the Pelicans. And... For for one, that, that, that scene, that atmosphere was absolutely jumping. Shout out to that city. Um, they've kind of been ridiculed as not being a basketball-loving town and everything like that. And rightfully so, because, you know, there's been some dead crowds there. Um, when you just turn on the telly and, and you watch a Pelicans game. Um, but they were very good last night. Um, and then the second thing they boiled down to me... Uh, was just top-end talent in this league is always going to win those type of games. You know what I mean? And while the talent level as a whole wasn't as good as the Eastern Conference game uh, between the Hawks and Hornets, there was still enough for the Pelicans to where they were like, at the end of the day, we have the best player. We probably got the two best players. And we just feel comfortable giving them the ball in isolation scenarios. And letting them get good looks. And that's what CJ McCollum and, and Brandon Ingram did, you know. B.I. in the first quarter had it going. Had a nice dunk on, I think it was Pirtle. Um, was getting his mid-range stuff. Euro stepping through the lane on Josh Richardson getting layups. And then from that point on, CJ just kind of turned up. He's like, hey, I'm not just the president of basketball of the Players Association. I, I really do this bu- get bucket stuff too. Um he had his mid-range ISO game cooking. He was calling for many switches on Keldon Johnson and just kind of doing what he wanted. 
And, and that's always been CJ's kind of thing, you know. He's always been a great scorer in isolation. Um, it normally doesn't result to winning at the highest level because that type of ball, doing that as much as he does, it, it's not super conducive to winning. But in a one-off setting against a team like San Antonio who doesn't have the requisite like guy to go right back at you with, it'll work just fine. And, um, you know, besides that, I don't even want to talk about that too much because, you know, those guys should win that game. They they, they are a better team. They have better chopping talent. For me, what stuck out was all the other guys, you know, and I think the Pelicans have done a really good job this year in in getting those guys who just fill in the gaps. You know, your Herb Jones uh, second-round pick this year in the draft is probably an all-defensive team guy, probably a first-team all-defensive team guy, you know. He might not make it, but he's that capable of a defender for me. John Chargers stopping the ball um, early in transition, not getting beat on the first move and making guys go to their counters. Um, you look at a guy like Jose Alvarado, man. It's a guy who I, I really liked in college, uh, watching him in the ACC tournament. And, and all of a sudden now he's got a four-year deal just off of sheer effort, enthusiasm, intensity. And by the way, he can knock down shots as well, um, which is an added bonus to that Pelicans team. I think he had his first three threes. And when that happens for those energy hustle guys, oh, man, trust that it's going to be a long night because you're not going to hear the end of it for one. You know, he, he's kind of in that Patrick Beverly sort of ilk of guys, which I, which I respect. I like a lot how hard they compete, how scrappy they are. And when they're knocking down shots, like I said, it's going to be a long day because you're not going to hear the end of it. Um, but but he's he's another one of those guys, man. First to everything on the ground. He he his enthusiasm is contagious. You know what I mean. You'll never feel like he's not giving you his all. Um, even a guy like Trey Murphy, man, who was their first round pick this year. Now he doesn't have a great box score night, but he played very good. He played good defense. He's a better athlete than you would think, just by you know his kind of description is just being a shooter. He's a very decent athlete. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, one of those rare trades that was kind of a win-win for both teams. Um, he played well. I think he had 22 points, and, and, and he's just one of those guys, man, it's tough to see in the playoffs because he's just a bludgeoning center um, who, who, who can score in the post in a myriad of ways. Um, so for me, it was one of those games that you kind of knew what was going to happen once the Pelicans grabbed the lead. They almost choked it because they are the Pelicans and they're, you know, not used to winning uh, at, a, at a, any sort of a high level. So, um, but it was good to see that city have something to cheer about, man. It, it was good to see how the team building this year has finally kind of clicked into place where you can say, okay, there's a vision here. There's something here that, that can be turned into something better if we just keep making smart decisions. And and that was good to see. I know my, my guy Adam was buzzing about the game. Uh, as for Spurs fans, man, you guys had a really good year. Um, I know the record doesn't show, but I love the progression of guys like DeJounte this year, obviously. But even like Devin Vassell, he had a very good game last night. Um, Lonnie Walker played well. Yeah, and there's, like I said, there's something there, as I said with the Pelicans, there's something there that can be turned 
into something better so long as the decisions that are being made are, are progressive ones and ones that are, are trying to better the team and not just have them keep being a young, scrappy team. You know what I mean? Um, I like the, the, the pickup of a Josh Richardson who can kind of be a vet for some of those young guards. And, and just all in all, man, like, let's be real. You guys don't have the top-end talent quite yet, but you do have a good foundation um, to where if, you know, these guys progress, maybe a couple of them get shipped off for that top-end guy. And all of a sudden, you know, you guys aren't in the plan in four, four years. You guys are in a top six seed because um, the youth progressed well enough to where a team was willing to trade their star player for some of that youth. Um, but, yeah, man, as far as the preview for the next game, it would be Pelicans going to L.A. to play the Clippers. Like I mentioned, man, I, I, I just – in these sort of one-off – and these sort of play playoff intensity games, you always want to lead towards a team with a better player, um, unless the team is just unless the other team is just so overwhelmingly deep. And I don't believe that to be the case for the Pelicans. Um, and, and Paul George will clearly be the best player in that in that game. Now the Pelicans will have the second and third best player probably um, in terms of stature. It'd be I and CJ. But I just think Ty Lue, as good of a coach as Willie Green is, Ty Lue's a little better. As good of a on-ball playmaker that uh, CJ has shown himself to be, I think Reggie can hang. I'm not saying he's better, but he can hang and he can kind of match uh, some of the production. And I just think they're a little bit deeper on the wings uh, than a team like San Antonio was. So they have more guys to throw at a B.I. They have more guys to throw at a C.J. Whereas the Spurs, you know, they 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 were either undersized in those matchups or just not quick enough with the foot speed. Um, it'll be an interesting matchup, man. I wouldn't rule the Pelicans out at all. They play with great energy. They play with great fight. But at the end of the day, I do think it's the Clippers game to lose, and I do think they will win it. Um, probably somewhere around the 8 to 10 point range. It'll be close. It'll be back and forth. Um if it's a faster-paced game, that will definitely favor the Pelicans. They like to run. They're a young team. But um, I just think Ty Lue, the experience of being in these moments, Paul George being able to get to whatever shot he wants against any sort of defense, and, and just the others being a little bit better than the Pelicans' others right now kind of leans me into their direction. You guys let me know what you think. Um, we'll have a short pod on Friday night after these games are over, kind of previewing the playoffs. Um, but yeah, man, thank y'all so much for listening to this, and I'll see you in the next one.